Welcome to the Risk and Repeat Podcast, episode number 106. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here once again back in Chernobyl with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. How are you? Great. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I It's been a while. We haven't recorded. Uh, I, I don't think we've recorded in about a week. Maybe That's longer. Right. Well, you were out of town. Ta- you were That's right. out of town. Yes. And you were uh, on vacation. I was on vacation for a couple of days. Uh, yeah. So we're back in here. We actually have a couple of, of items to discuss today. Our first podcast is actually going to be on something that I was a little hesitant to talk about. We had a discussion about this offline. This got news uh, about a week or so ago. Ray Ozzy, former uh, chief software ar- ar- uh, architect and CTO at Microsoft, founder of, of Lotus Notes, a very uh, well-known and respected software uh, engineer, programmer, came out uh, via an article in Wired with a solution of sorts what he was proposing as a solution to the going dark conundrum. How to give law enforcement access to encrypted data on a device, on a on an endpoint without sort of uh, creating undue security risks and, uh, and, and, you know, enabling abuses. And so he, he wrote this article, or he, I, I take that back, Wired wrote the article he presented his case to uh, to the Wired authors, and he calls it clear. His, his approach is called clear. Mm-hmm. Very simple. So, and this got a lot of attention. And I was I should say why I was hesitant to to bring this up and discuss it was because I didn't think the proposal was very good. A lot of people in InfoSec did not think it was very good, and it seemed kind of uh, risky to give this more attention and. Discuss it, not that, you know, I, I, I mean, there's so much attention about it out there. It's not like what we discuss here or write about at Search Security is going to tip the scale one way or the other. It's it's not. Um, but for my own personal tastes, I just said, eh, why discuss this? But I do think there's value in discussing it. You sold me. Did I? Oh. Yeah. Very subtly. Oh. I mean, I don't know if you shared my sort of apprehension about it. It didn't seem like it when I threw this out. Yeah, I'm the, you know, it's basically another version of uh, escrow, key escrow, and we've already been through this, right? Yes. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that the sort of the history repeating itself. But yeah, I had the same sort of initial reaction, and I guess it would help for the readers and listeners for us to sort of describe what Ray Ozzy was proposing. But it's it's very simple. There's a couple new wrinkles to this, so we don't want to, I don't want to sell it short. Well, there are a couple of things new, newish. Yeah, one of the things that um, that really struck me when I was reading up on it was that it's an idea, it's a concept, it's not a proposal, it's yes. not a specification, it's no. not, it doesn't solve the problem. It shows a, uh, what Rayazi believes is a way to yes to to aim for that solution. That is an excellent point. You're right. There is but no specification here. There is no sort of uh, uh, there's no protocol. There's no plan. It's just it's a very vague approach. It's a strategy. And basically what he's proposing with Clear is a public-private key pair. And that's not anything unusual. We've seen that before. 
the public key is contained in, let's say, a smartphone's you know, uh, chip on the device. And the private key is held by the device manufacturer. So obviously, iPhone going dark, I, Apple's been a big target. So we'll just say, let's, for the purposes of this discussion, we'll say iPhone from here on out. So iPhone on its chip has a public key. Apple retains a private key in its headquarters, let's say, or somewhere safe. Uh, the private key is stored in a uh, hardware security module, an ultra secret safe, whatever, locked away, and it's only good for that device. Let's just stress that. So when law enforcement gets a call and says, we just arrested this guy, we're trying to get into his device, let's get a court order. They get a court order the police or the FBI go to Apple and they say, we have a court order and we have possession of the device. We need the private key. And they say, okay. And they send a trusted individual to the HSM to, to, to retrieve that private key. And then they, you know, allegedly securely transmit somehow the private key to the device. And voila, you unlock it. Uh, so again, as you said, I mean, this sounds like key escrow. You're, you're the vendor, the provider is holding a private key that can unlock it. And I should, I should back up and say that the method here is it's the, the passcode. So when you set, set up your passcode to the iPhone, the public key is for that passcode. And the private key can, can unlock basically the encryption around that passcode and then you you open it up and you're off to the races. So, okay. Uh, so, yes, key escrow, public private key. There's nothing, I mean, Peter, there's nothing different about that approach as it stands thus far. I mean, there's other little things that we'll get into in a minute, but. Well, one thing that, that, um, that was a problem for a lot of people back, uh, I want to say 25 years ago or so, 1992 or so. With the Clipper chip, the concerns were the government has access to all our devices. It's right. Big Brother. And the difference with this proposal, with this concept, is that the government isn't holding the keys. It's the corporations that sold you the devices, which I, you know, that's, po that's, that's presented as a kind of a, of a benefit, an advantage to this new proposal. I'm not sure that I agree with that. Mm. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I don't agree with it. I think you've said in the past that you don't agree with that. So, yeah, it's pretty consistent with your approach on this. <clears throat> yeah, I... Because we're not just talking about Apple and Microsoft. No. We're talking about Apple, Microsoft, Google, uh, Samsung, Sony, everybody that makes any kind of device that has that that is going to need to be accessed by law enforcement, potentially. Right. And everybody that they employ and everybody that they sell their company to. So what happens when a company is sold? What happens to when a company goes out of business? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean those are all great questions because. Yeah. Sorry, I, I know I jumped the gun, but like there's just so much wrong with this whole thing. Yeah, no, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of questions about, you know, what, who is ha handling those private keys and how, and I mean, look, not every cloud provider, not every device manufacturer has end-to-end -end encryption or offers end-to-end -end encryption or offers um, customers to retain their own private keys 
it seems to be the way things are going lately. Like a lot of companies just say, I don't want to deal with this headache. I don't want to get hit with warrants and FISA court orders. I, you take the keys. It's your problem now. And the, and the government, I think, the FBI, I've, I've sort of long thought this like in the back of my head. I feel like they think there's there's as long as they don't have companies moving in that direction where they're just handing out all the keys or letting customers can generate their own keys and, and possess them and that this is going to be an easier issue for them to solve but once that once it becomes standard to do an, an encryption for all communications and then you know for cloud storage cloud services you retain your own keys or generate your own keys then they're really there's nothing they can do there's no solution there uh, uh short of you know sending people to jail under contempt and letting them sit there until they give up their key or password or whatever it is um you know there are a couple of things that are that are are different about this that uh I mean, slightly different than sort of the old tried and true to, uh, approach. Uh, and I want to get to that in a second. But a as you said, Peter, it's not – this isn't like a – there's no blueprint here. I mean, Ray Ozzie says in this in this Wired article, you know, the method's only going to work on one device because it's a – you know, it's a key pair. So, like, like, just going into the HSM and taking a random key – and trying to unlock someone's you can't do that like you have to get the exact key and it's not going to work there's no golden key fine but he also said that under his plan it's not going to allow authorities to remotely access the device that what's going to happen is when law enforcement gets the device and they want it to run the private key um, and connect it to the public key and unlock the device it's got to go into some sort of like like recovery mode, like a like it's gonna brick the device. You can't ever use it again. The device is dead. You can unlock it with the key to get the data, but it's no longer functional. And I'm I, I still don't understand. It's not spelled out in the story. Well, how what? Why does that mean that you can't use it remotely? Like, there's no sort of technical specs that say that you can't <laughs> do that, right? Well, you may it, there may be some. As I understood it, uh, there. The, the, the process was to have uh, custody of the of the device and use that to generate there's a there's a an option on the device that it, that you generate this uh, uh, scanning scanning code that you can only get from the device so in that case it would only be accessible locally but you you know that it that as soon as you know hopefully this doesn't happen but if it does I guarantee you within two years there will be uh, uh, furor from the law enforcement community saying we're going dark because people are uh, people are, are not allowing us access to their phones we can't catch them we need to get access to these evildoers phones while they still have them and it'll be updated to allow remote access because it's always you know it, it, we talk about slip. Well, we don't talk about slippery slopes. We a lot. We, we do, but but, yeah. but infosec does a lot. Yeah, and and that's sort of the direction that it's going is to have constant, always available access. Right, in like the blink of an eye, rather than having to obtain a court order and, and spend nine hundred grand on a on a on an exploit oh, to geez. to break into a phone that has no uh, useful useful information on it. Yeah, but. Right. Uh, 
we, what do we know? <laughs> well, you know a fair amount. You've written books. You know <laughs> encryption. So, um, so a, a lot of the infosec community has come out and said basically, this there's nothing that new here. There's a couple of wrinkles, but it's the same sort of kiosker approach. Bruce Schneier wrote something that was really, I think, very critical of this. Oh yeah, on, on his was, blog, it was a that was a good a good uh, wrap up because because he's been right he's been dealing with this since 1992 yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean he, he's been on this for a long time. Right. He um he wrote something. Uh, I just want to read an excerpt of his blog post. Quote. I have no idea why anyone is talking as if there were this were anything new. Several cryptographers have already explained why this key escrow scheme is no better than any other key escrow scheme. The short answer is one, we won't be able to secure that database of backdoor keys. Two, we don't know how to build the secure coprocessor the scheme requires. And three, it solves none of the policy problems around the whole system. And this is interesting to me because you know, we just saw, I mean, Mike, Michael Heller, senior reporter, search security, just wrote a story. He's at Google I.O. this week. I, he's on his way home now. But Android P, some of the security features involve this idea of having a, a, um, a trusted execution environment, a TEE in there, and basically building a co-processor, a part of the processor, mobile processor that just that can do authentication and hold you, you. In other words, it's separate from the rest of the the system. It's like the little protective, secure enclave, as Apple likes to call it. Um, but that, I mean, you're talking that, that right now. That's just sort of fantasy. And and with Android, they're they're basically saying, oh, this is all this. We want to do this, but it's all dependent on Qualcomm and all the other processor makers to do this. Well, what if they don't? What if they don't want to do it? <laughs> well, that's kind of a problem. Yeah, it is. I mean, if it's a re- if, if it's mandatory requirement for something, then you know, and, and and there's money involved, and the companies that are involved in selling those products are going to have to comply. But uh, ultimately, the cost is going to going to be passed along to the consumers. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, whatever whatever the costs are, they're going to be on us. So that instead of a nine hundred dollar iPhone, it's going to be a twelve hundred dollar iPhone, or whatever the marginal cost of, of adding this scheme is going to be. Um, it, it won't, you know, the, the, the companies are not going to eat that. It's right. not going to come out of their profits. I mean, there's, there's the point being, there's, there's a lot of moving parts here. It's dependent on a lot of different things. And not only that, but the, this idea, I mean, like Schneier says, oh, you're just going to have this database? How many databases get breached? And yeah, you can put it in an HSM, but those things are not foolproof. And it's not... It, it, we're talking about, you know, some of the numbers that I've seen thrown about by people who are in favor of this kind of thing. They say, oh, well, it's got to, you know, we have to, we do have to figure out how to, how to uh, allow uh, thousands potentially of, of ac- uh, uh, law enforcement access a year. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's maybe hundreds of thousands or maybe hundreds of millions because the thousands number comes from the FBI. The FBI has several thousand devices that they've said that they can't access. Yeah, like uh, what they say at last count, eight thousand or something. Yeah, I mean it's under ten across over the country. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the the number of devices that the FBI says that it has. The um, oh, then there's local law enforcement. There's local yeah. law enforcement. There's state law enforcement. There's sheriff's departments, and then that's um, the number that I've seen for the number of different agencies in the United States is fifteen thousand or so. Yeah, that's just the United States. Then you start taking in. 
uh, all the every country in the world because every country in the world is right. going to have their own law enforcement all trying to do desires. Yeah. And so that's a, you know, yeah, there's just so much to be, uh, but, but the bottom line is that if all of my devices are going to be crackable by the law enforcement and I'm a bad guy and I'm serious about it, I'm going to start using PGP on everything. Yeah. I mean, I use PGP as an example, but, um, I'll I'll find some alternate way to encrypt my data so that even if you crack my phone you won't be able to crack my cipher. Right. And even and if you and just if, use an, an encryption I yeah. yeah. Or or even <laughs> so you, You've just made life a little bit harder on everyone in in the but, world yeah, except in the for world. the bad guys. I made it easier to crack general, you know, exactly. people's devices. And now as long as we're on this topic, I, I, I may be jumping ahead a no, little bit. No, go. But, the, but once you do that, so that the real hardcore bad guys, the ones that are moving billions of dollars worth of drugs, that are uh, yeah. trafficking humans, that are um, that are selling arms, that are, you know, you name it, the bad yeah. thing they're going to do, they're going to manage to, to stay clear and get and have their communications clear uh, or, or protected, yeah. even if their devices get cracked. Meanwhile... Governments, especially autocratic governments in places like um, Turkey, China, Venezuela, Iraq, Iran—well, not Iraq, sorry, Iran, uh, North Korea—any country where and and country, there are countries that have that have been very strongly democratic that have been turning, like uh, uh, Poland, Austria. There's been uh, some movement towards the right in a lot of these places towards strong leaders who like to have things their own way yeah. once you have that all they have to do is say look i don't want i want to know who's saying bad things about me you go law enforcement you go that's now against the law to say anything bad about dear leader and those people can can then crack everybody's text messages they've been sending to their friends and f family that may be interpreted as being negative so um so there's there's real massive amounts of potentially bad consequences that, that go along with this whole kind of uh, uh, of an effort. Yeah. And and what you really want to do is to stop the really bad guys, not to stop the people that are talking sure. smack about the leader. Allegedly, yeah. Exactly. Well, um, and another thing that kind of strikes me about this whole effort with Ray Ozzie, I mean, Ray Ozzie has a lot of, I mean, he's very respected. Yeah. He's, he's, Top of the top of the of the uh, stack as far as brains go, and in, in, in terms of what he does. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And it it reminded me ex almost exactly of what happened with the uh, shuttle disaster um, investigations when they brought in Richard Feynman, the fi the noted physicist. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that guy, top you know one of the smartest brains in in the world. He comes in, he takes a look. He figures it out in a couple of days, as I recall. Uh, maybe it was maybe it was a little longer, but he he sat and he looked at all the data, he looked at all the information, he came up with the answer. And it was you know it 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 wasn't like a, a very hard, complicated physics problem. It was a relatively simple one. If you if your if your O rings freeze, then they can shatter and you can yeah. blow up. Um, I don't think this is a comparable case where. Where Ray Ozzy comes in and says, "Oh, it's the O-rings. It's it's not. It's like we know how to do backdoors. We know how to do key escrow." Um, and I just want to. So I to finish my whole thought. 
No, in, go. In the in the in the Wired article, they talk. Uh, they quote uh, President Obama, who yeah. said uh, after the San Bernardino shooting um, in 2015, he said, "You know, we can't look at it as a binary of." Uh, or actually, he did put it in a binary case. He said, "You can't decide that you either have perfect." strong encryption or big brother and the fact is we don't have perfect strong encryption we haven't solved that problem yet. no yeah so we should probably figure out how to solve that problem yeah at least in parallel with solving the key escrow problem yeah before we yeah no I, i totally agree and it's not just the encryption either peter because yeah you're right i mean there's 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 weaknesses in crypto uh 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 protocols and there's ways to beat it, sadly. I mean, we're already talking about quantum encryption, quantum-resistant encryption. IBM was talking about that, the IBM Think Show. And that's where we are at this point. Um, but I do think it's interesting because the the way, you know, from reading the article, and I don't want to climb inside Ozzy's head, and I don't want to read in, into it too much and start throwing things out that aren't really there, but it seems like his proposal is really big on preventing oh like don't worry with my method the authorities can't do this they can't do that they can't abuse this they can't do ongoing surveillance they can't do x y or z they can't crack your phone and sit on it they can't wire into it remotely they can't you know take the golden key and the hsm and use it on another phone you're protected you're protected you're protected from law enforcement from the government but it doesn't really say anything about like, okay, great. But what about like all of these keys sitting in the HSM? Like, like it's very heavy on, you know, protecting against the government and law enforcement and any potential abuses from legitimate actors. But it doesn't really go into further detail about like, well, why is your method better than how these guys store their keys? And this is where it gets interesting. So he he, and this is this is the thing that really just set me off. In the article, he says, well, we already do master keys. We already have a method where, where vendors retain master encryption keys to things that are important. And he threw out the example of, and I can't believe this happened, he threw out the example of software updates and having signatures or, or you know, uh, 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 encryption uh, keys assigned to uh, software updates and, and patches. And I just... I'm, I sat back, you know, I was kind of reading about this, and I said, I hope somebody writes about this and is just like, these are not the same things. Like uh, encryption for your for your uh, your entire device and encryption for a software update, it, that's totally different. And luckily, somebody did. Uh, I knew I could count on Julian Sanchez, senior fellow at the Cato Institute, who I, I probably mentioned on this podcast before. But, you know, cited him and. In different articles, but uh, he knows uh, quite a bit about internet policy and technology. He's um, he's written a lot of great stuff over the years. But he wrote something on Aussies, uh, his whole approach and his whole thing, and he he sort of tore down the idea that like oh oh encryption the you know the keys the the private keys that we have for software updates they're the same as what we would do for devices. And he's he so he says. This, however, is misleading. I'll, I'll quote his blog post. This, however, is misleading in at least a couple of ways. First, as Stanford, Stanford's Rihanna 
Pfefferkorn? Pfefferkorn. All right. First, as Stanford's Rihanna Pfefferkorn has argued in a recent paper, the use cases for signing keys used to authenticate new software releases on perhaps a monthly basis is very different from that of a decryption key that would almost certainly need to be accessed by human beings multiple times each day. An asset becomes inherently harder to secure the more routinely it must be accessed by legitimate users. Second, and perhaps more importantly, the value to an adversary of a decryption key is much higher because it has far greater potential for clandestine use. Basically saying, yeah, you can assign a key to validate a software update. And yes, you can intercept. He even says that. You can intercept a software update. And we've seen this. Like We've seen issues where somebody gets a hold of you know, malicious use of, of software updates. And it's like, there was a, a case, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank with the... In Ukraine. Yes. Uh, the accounting company. Yes, but... That had their... Uh, accounting software updater hijacked. That's right. I can't was, remember the name of it, though. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting name, and it'll come to us both probably in yeah. something later this afternoon. But, yeah, the, um, that, was, that was not good. No, that it was, was not <laughs> good, but, like, weighing the two. Yeah. So he, he writes this, the risks associated with stolen signing keys, and we should pause to note that signing keys do indeed get stolen on occasion, are mitigated by the fact uh, by the fact that misuse of such keys is intrinsically public, and he's right. I mean, this is you you can't weigh those two things the same way, uh, right? And I think he's I think he I my reading was that he was quoting Pfefferkorn on on these points that to, oh to yeah give, from, from, from her yeah. paper yeah 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 and and the other thing is that uh, the as I think you're about to say, the value to an attacker of getting the access to the keys. And the, uh, the, other, the other important piece to get along with the value, like it's, it's huge. If you get access to that database and you're an attacker, you own everything. But what's more, if, if you own an updater, a software, you know, a software a patch up installer, and you own that uh, mechanism, yeah. it's public. So, yeah. that, so the people yep. will know fairly soon after you transmit all that uh, malware that it's malware. But if you're uh, controlling people's devices and you're having access to data that's being decrypted, it's not public. So nobody uh, like th this could it could happen and you and we wouldn't know it. Um, uh, and, and one thing that, that came up uh, in my newsfeed this morning was about um, a company that sells a mechanism for tracking cell phones. Oh, I saw that. Yes. Terrifying. It is, because you can track cell phones anywhere in the country. Yeah. Just in seconds, a, a sheriff's, a, a former uh, sheriff's office official in Missouri, I believe that's the right attribution, was arrested um, for abusing that Misusing, by yeah. tracking a judge. Now, the other the thing of is... Of course. The, the, the thing that's even more terrifying <laughs> is that their, their mechanism for authenticating um, requests is off the hook bad. You basically have to, uh, you give them a document and say that this document gives me permission to do this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not, uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't uh, inspire a lot of confidence in, in, in that particular mechanism. And, it, and, it, and I, I'm getting to or the point where I'm going to stop carrying my phone. Oh, maybe. yeah. Now you're making me paranoid. <laughs>
but yeah, I mean, there's there's all these different aspects to this this picture and this problem as you're as you're outlining that I don't think are getting considered. And uh, look, I don't want to dump on Ozzy. As as I said, he's had a very storied career. This guy knows technology. I mean, I've seen some people out there say, "What has Ray Ozzy done lately? Who is he to come into this debate?" And I'll just stop right there and say, "Listen, uh, he's done a lot. You go all the way back to the days of Groove Networks. I mean, the, the sort of the, the the collaboration that we do in cloud apps now, simultaneously, you know, simultaneous users." Uh, working in different documents and having them update in real time. I mean, that's something that this guy envisioned and and started doing in like 2005. I mean, pre-cloud, like it's, so the guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to technology, but uh, uh, and I, I wanna bring this point up from, from Schneier, from his blog post. He, he says, this is the typical mistake that non-cryptographers make when they approach a problem. They think that the hard part is the cryptography to create the back door. That's actually the easy part. The hard part is ensuring that it's only used by the good guys and there's nothing in Ozzy's proposal that addresses any of that. And he's right. And this is, not, again, not to beat up on Ozzy, but like if this is the type of proposal that someone like Ray Ozzy is bringing out and is getting validated in the press. No offense to Wired, I love Wired. But it, and it is being held up by people as saying, oh, here's a possible solution to going dark. Guys, we've got a long way to go. Like we, we are in serious, serious trouble if this is where we're at. If, if, the, if the knowledge, and I'm not saying I'm an expert, and I know you've written books, I like to fancy you as, a, as an expert. But if this is where we're at with the debate that the, the knowledge of encryption and how this stuff works and how it, how it's, what's feasible and what isn't is so small and so narrow and limited to such a small number of people and we can't get that knowledge out and we can't get people involved that know what they're talking about, then we're, we're in serious trouble, like serious trouble because this proposal is not good, like it stinks. <laughs> Like, like it stinks and people are going to latch on to it because of the name behind it and because certain certain new wrinkles to it, like I said, do seem like, oh, well, that's better. Well, not really. Not really. Sorry to go on a rant, but yeah, that's, that's that's OK. I mean, we could we could probably sit here and, and talk about this for the rest of the afternoon and and not repeat ourselves. We could. I mean, there's there's other avenues to go down, but I I think. I think we're in agreement that this is largely, like Schneider said, doesn't solve the the underlying the, the biggest underlying issue is that there's nothing inherently specific to this proposal that says this is how we're going to ensure it never falls into the wrong hands or is never abused. There just isn't. Yeah. And until there is, like I don't think this. I was going to say it's it's not worth debating. I'm fine debating it because this is another thing that really irked me from Ozzy. So he he uh, he sort of unveiled this at Columbia University a couple of months ago, or back in January. Mm. And he said, you know, during this this session, during this talk, you know, talking about Clear, he said, "I I do not want us to hide behind a technological smokescreen. Let's debate it. Don't hide the fact that it might be possible. This isn't hiding anything." This isn't trying to shut down a conversation. This is this is us. This is a lot of people saying, 
this proposal doesn't work. Not in the way that you're saying it does. Like there's things about it that I think are interesting, but they don't solve the underlying issues. And that's, that's, I'm sorry, that's, I don't see any other way around. I don't see how Ozzy or anybody else could argue otherwise. So, again, sorry for the rant, Peter. Hey, that's what I think I we're in agreement on this. Oh generally. yeah, no, yeah. I mean, we, like I said, we could spend a lot of time giving, talking about all the reasons why this is not a good, not a great idea. But, I mean, to I'll, me, I'll pro- to, we're running out of oxygen. In yeah, here. to me, the big, the biggest one though is that we we don't have. Uh, of, of all the devices that the FBI has that are sitting there that they don't have access to, that's just that's, that's a, um, less than half, according to one report, of the total number of devices that they got. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that they can get around these devices being encrypted. Yeah. And, and there's going to be even more ways for the bad actors to get around having these codes or these keys exactly accessible by law enforcement there just is yeah and it's delusional yeah. anyway peter right we we went a little bit over but i'd say <laughs> for a going dark topic we were remarkably restrained we probably could have been in here a lot longer um so thank you for talking uh about clear and oh happy how it's unclear and uh yeah. sorry i had to throw that pun in but thank you for joining me as usual Thank you for allowing me to be here. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.